York City, a town of sights and erotic delights. Oh yes, you like it, baby. A sultry setting for the sinister crimes of a crazed sex killer. A master of murder committing countless sins against unsuspecting victims. Leaving a trail of brutalized bodies and cops are stumped. He leaves few clues, but plenty of corpses. Sending New York's finest on a cat and mouse chase through the seedy haunts of a sexual wasteland. A terrifying tale of a sadistic thrill killer. The New York Ripper. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Hello. 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 We are definitely First Blood. Uh, this is episode eight being brought to you uh, in a bespoke artisanal package by yours truly, Christopher and Mitch. And Mitch. Yeah. And Christopher. Both of those. I'm, I'm Christopher. This is Mitch. Yeah. To clarify. And this is Christopher. <laughs> oh, how are you, <laughs> man? I'm so good. How are you? I'm also so good. We went and we saw a quiet place this week together. A quiet place. It was very good. I thought yeah, it was good. It wasn't scary, but it was, it was. It was good. It was very tense. I just we talked about this, but yeah. I sort of wish that. It would have had the cinematographer of The Witch or The Ritual. Yeah, something a little bit more uh, step back. Yeah, you know, where, it, where, expansive. It, where it felt like the environment was like a, a building, like a thing yeah. in the scene. Yeah. Because you're supposed to think they're always watching. I don't know. More of like a proscenium arch. I like a, I like a far back... Oh, me too. Wide frame shot. We get to see how insignificant our protagonists are against the world itself. Yeah. I like a negative space, if you will. Speaking of a negative space, uh, can we, you yeah, tell, us, tell me about our uh, fiasco at the theater. Yeah, so we had friends. an unfortunate uh, situation at the theater. It was assigned seating which is something i'm not really used to but i when it's i because it had the fancy recliner leather seats that are yes the 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 pinkies out theater nice but unnecessary imho so cut to we're sitting down mm-hmm. when we first walk in this this woman the woman in question mm-hmm. is on our row in the middle on her phone playing the time play that's on the screen loudly being like oh am i still on top am i still number one? Oh, i didn't realize this yeah so okay. we sat down she moved back down to where the general vicinity which was a row down yeah uh <laughs> where she would be seated everybody is starting to come to their their seat for yeah. some reason in this showing most people showed up like right 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 at the start time it was so stupid and so distracting and yeah that's a really good point yeah because they should have been there way before but they got it to cut matter. they got to cut into our intro time the the row in front of us the mm-hmm. woman is sitting there with apparently some group of probably what like seven yeah has accumulated <clears throat> baby boomers and then a couple is sitting at the end of their row Mm -hmm. with one empty seat in between them and an empty seat near the end of the row yes near the end of the row the couple's friend shows up Mm -hmm. obviously a double date they go to take their seats the one empty seat because someone is sitting in their other seat yeah so who could it be this becomes quite the ongoing like it bites into our movie time right like by at least two minutes like hey excuse me i think 
everyone's sitting one seat over. Can everyone just stand up and move one seat down? Yeah. Uh, no, we're in the right seats. We're in the right seats. We're, I think. No, no, don't get up. Don't get up. We're, we're, we're in the right seats. Don't get up. Yeah. Hey, there's an empty seat at the end of the fucking row. It is the nice thing to do. You're fucking Canadian. <laughs> Just do it. Who confronts someone in a movie theater like this to begin with? That shows you that he was like, he was, he felt that he was wronged. Yeah. So I am traditionally like, I don't like to speak out loudly in public spaces. Yeah. Um, I got, I got the Holy Spirit in me. Yeah. <laughs> do you even remember what you said? Yes, I I do. Okay. I said, you're obviously wrong. The seats are, have the seat, or the tickets have your seat numbers written on them. Yes. Yes. You did say that. I'm pretty sure that wrong. they can read. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> and the best part was the guy was like, after. He thanked me. Yeah. He was like, hey, thanks. Like, it was so good. And Not everyone all heroes was, wear capes. I know. Not all heroes wear capes. But the worst part was they left. <laughs> Yeah, so the woman didn't move over. After all of this, the couple was just like, fine, mm-hmm. fuck it, like, we'll go sit at the front. They probably sat there for like two minutes, mm-hmm. and then they left. But mm-hmm. as they were getting up to leave, the woman got her posse to move over one seat. So there would have been the two seats where they could have sat beside their friends. But they had left, and it was like infuriating. What? an evil person i'm really not a fan of her and i don't i don't wish anything upon her yeah no so that's our shitty shitty story but we did enjoy seeing the movie oh (laughs) and i'm gonna drop one fact about it my one fact that i noticed okay do it so in the opening scene it's day 89 of the siege of upper upstate new york or wherever they are um And when they're in the pharmacy, every single, like, obviously all the main supplies have been looted and everything, Mm -hmm. except for every single bag of chips, because (laughs) chips, yeah, chips are too noisy to eat. (laughs) I thought it was so funny. I thought it was so funny. It's such a throwaway gag that you barely see it. It was good. It really... It tied the whole movie together for me, and I really appreciate it. Thanks, John. John, if you're listening, thanks. Definitely. We, yeah, we we had a good time. We would definitely recommend mm-hmm. that movie. But the movie at hand yes. is 1982's New York Ripper. <laughs> I shouldn't act like I'm really jazzed about this because it is, it's a giallo film from Lucio Fulci. Yeah. It came out in 1982. And I love a good giallo, but... Yeah, we definitely want to preface yeah. this entire review with M- Mitch and I love giallo movies. Mm-hmm. Giallo movies weren't really something that I had seen before I really moved out on my own. Yeah, until we started... Yeah, so as soon yeah. as I started uh, ingesting those giallo movies, mm-hmm. this was one of the... The first that I watched, really, after oh, really? the Dario Argentos. Okay. And it's because I really liked Lucio Fulci's City of the Living Dead, yep. The Beyond, House by the Cemetery trilogy. And, zombie. Yeah, and Zombie. Okay. Zombie was the first one I watched. And then I went on, like, a, a kick, a Luci- Lucio Fulci mm-hmm. kick. So, mm-hmm. uh, so this movie... I, I mean, most giallos are pretty gore or graphic in their yes. sexual violence. This one is extremely graphic. Like it's the, it's the top of the scale. Like it's the the uh, Eli Roth of yes of giallos. I actually <laughs> wanted to talk about that because I was thinking about that earlier today mm-hmm. when I was trying to think of cool things to say for the podcast <laughs> in between uh, duck puns. But anyway. Yeah, so I was thinking about how this is really less of a, a slasher and definitely more of a precursor for films like Hostel, like Saw. Yeah. Uh, and it's really like following up on a standard in this sort of cinema that I would say was started by Herschel Gordon Lewis. Okay. 
who was uh, the director of Wizard of Gore. Oh, yeah, So he did those sort of movies, which were definitely in the same vein of intense gore against women. Like, it's a punishment. Yeah. Like, like they're being punished, whereas most giallos, it's like, oh, they're being murdered, but they're not all of the time being, like... I'm choosing to punish you. Yeah. Yeah. And I really want to go into this just sort of talking about how this is we're we're not trying to be super uh snowflakey <laughs> if you will, but uh we will definitely be talking about the pretty intense misogynist overtones of this movie. Oh yeah, definitely. But I or think, at least in the actions of one one character, I think we can really debate about whether the the film itself is misogynist mm-hmm. or it's a commentary on misogyny. It's like what if we it's, cr- what if we cranked it up to like a hundred? Yeah, you would. It's something that you would really have to ask the director what his intention was and. Yeah. See, I don't think he ever clarified or no. anything. So, like the the killers definitely and the killer and they are portrayed as deviants yes. and sick people, but it's in that sort of criminal minds way where uh it's their deviance is also on display. So it's it's hard to tell. Yeah. It's it's sort of I guess a whole movie about deviance and mm-hmm. sin and an Italian interpretation of early eighties American sleaze cinema. Yeah, yeah, like dirty, gritty NYC yeah. pre Giuliani. Not to sound too pinkies up or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this actually brings me to one of the first things I really wanted to talk about mm-hmm. in this movie, and that is the crazy rating situation that happened okay. specifically in the UK, but largely throughout Europe. Because this was so intensely graphic, and this, like, 1982 was deep in the era of the... Uh, the video nasties. Yeah, Thatcherism. So, uh, the film, classified as a giallo, mm-hmm. arrived at uh, the British film BBFC. I'm not sure if it's Center. We'll, we'll call it Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, offices for classification in December of 1983. And by that time, three of Lucio Fulci's titles had already become... Uh, included in the video nasty moral panic those three being the ones i mentioned earlier the beyond house by the cemetery oh and zombie flesh eaters not not Uh, all three in that trilogy but city of the living dead is it it pales in comparison to the other two okay we've definitely watched that one together before because that's one of my favorite movies of all time actually so anywho uh so all three of those movies were featured on the Director of Public Prosecution's office list of potentially obscene titles. So they didn't compile the list, the BBFC, mm-hmm. but it was created by the Director of Public Prosecutions to help police force avoid confusion when they were seizing potentially, potentially offensive material. It's pretty... The Brits really love their uh, censorship. Be it with their movies or with their erotic movies. <laughs> well, the title, yep. even, The New York Ripper uh, and the themes of the movie with the murders of the women <laughs> were unfortunately uh, coinciding with the uh, conviction and trial of UK serial killer Peter Sutcliffe also known as the Yorkshire Ripper. Oh, no. So it was sort of at the same time, and public sensitivity was at a high. Yeah. At an interpreted high. Fair enough. So it went to the BBFC, and the opinion between the team of examiners who would examine the films to determine their rating Mm -hmm. Uh, it was so it was divided between five 
who undertook in its initial viewing in December of 1983. Three of them argued the film uh, could be cut for an 18 rating, (laughs) while the other two felt it should be refused a classification at all. So the ones who argued that the film should be rejected or refused the classification uh, explained it for two reasons. They believed that the level of cuts required would leave no viable product for the company to release. (laughs) And because they were concerned that the film's perceived misogyny might have a corrupting effect on its viewers, there were further viewings. And in December of 1983, and or sorry, between uh, December of 1983 and January of 1984, but they could never receive a consensus among the examiners i love the idea they're like oh we can't decide let's watch it like eight more times (laughs) yeah so how do i get this job (laughs) that gets referred in that situation to uh, the head so lord harleck wow who it's then in his uh, his charge to decide this a real live lord but he advised that the bbfc should monitor the court cases surrounding the Yorkshire Ripper <laughs> and then examine how their cases against the video nasties were going before mm-hmm. they reached the conclusion for how to rate the New York Ripper. Wow, that sounds actually kind of reasonable. So when the UK distributor of the horror film Nightmares in a Damaged Brain was found guilty and jailed for distributing obscene material, it seemed that the New York Ripper could be at a potentially equal risk of being found obscene. So in February of 1984, uh, James Furman wrote to the UK distributor of the New York Ripper, advising that the film could not be classified for cinema cinema exhibition because it was likely that the courts would find against it. So at that time, it was also still possible to release a film on video without a BBFC rating because the Video Recordings Act of 1984 did not come into effect until the 1st of September, 1985. So James Furman warned the distributor that though it was possible, releasing the film on video cassette would only increase the risk of an obscenity prosecution <laughs> and conviction because of the greater potential for the film getting into the hands of children when it was released for mass consumption. I suppose that's true. It's, there's only so many trench, trench coats for three children to wear while they're stacked up one on, on top of each other to watch this movie. What Furman did next kind of made the New York Ripper an urban legend at the time. Ooh. Um, so the fact that the UK distributor of the aforementioned Nightmares in in a Damaged Brain uh, received a prison sentence for their role in distributing the film. So he decided it would be unwise for them to return the film to its distributor. And he was aware that the distributor could still release it on video or seek the local authority to uh, to approve the local cinema exhibition, despite whatever the BBFC said. Mm -hmm. To do so it would not only risk the distributor being vulnerable to a charge and being found guilty of possession of an obscene material Uh with the intent to commercially supply it. Oh, that sucks. But it would also potentially put the BBFC of having facilitated the supply. Ooh, that's interesting. So the BBFC's actions, they essentially would be re-exporting the print to to Italy because they were just going to keep it. Yeah. Because they thought it was immoral. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. I wonder if they were going to destroy it. So they, they did advise him that he should destroy any further copies of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, so they took... Their actions took place in a time in the UK when... Uh, distributors of movies like this were being convicted and even sent to jail for their involvement in films like this. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, it's like a big brother nightmare. I can't imagine. And people say that Canada is suppressive. It's nothing on anything like that. <laughs> so based on like all of the, the court stuff behind it, it's mm-hmm. sort of 
gained a, a cult following because word of mouth obviously if something like this is being banned for being so gory and it must uh, be immoral really it must be pretty crazy <laughs> it actually didn't return for writing in the bbfc until 2001 wow after the uh the dude james Furman, had already retired and at the time there was new classification guidelines which had been compiled based on public uh consult like consultation mm-hmm. and the film was classified finally as 18 and it only had to have 22 seconds of cuts which were from the razor blade scene Ooh, specifically when he's cutting her breasts yeah because it's pretty it's pretty uncomfortable to watch it's hard it's a hard thing to watch and in 2012 it was reviewed again and the people reviewing it were just like oh it's too dated so it just doesn't even matter anymore oh, really that's wow yeah so it's nice that people are reasonable yeah i mean you sort of know it's on the package it's the new york ripper <laughs> You know what you're yes. getting into. It's a pretty intense movie, though. So I guess we should start it. Shall we Shall we begin yeah. episode eight? Yeah. Uh, t- running it down, tearing it down, examining its narrative trajectory. Yeah, man. Um, it begins, we're on a dock. There is a dog and... Uh, His owner. Yeah. An old man. There are... Playing, playing fetch on the beach. Well, they're poorly playing fetch. Like this dog takes needs a lot of encouragement. The dubbing is also extremely bad. Yeah. And this, well, throughout this entire movie, it's extremely bad. At least the the cut that we have, it's it's probably one of the early two thousand ones. Yeah, but... it's it's pretty terrible, but it's also pretty great because it's like classic. Oh yeah, yeah it's still Italian. it still looks like it has a vhs grain on it which which is always it definitely does have like film markings too like cigarette burns and everything and uh this is one of those films where it shows a clear manhattan skyline but it was before even the twin towers were existed oh were built so oh wow it's the exact same skyline as present day which is i don't know it's weird to see sort of (laughs) in an old movie like this so amidst the fetch the dog yeah. returns uh after some coaxing with a, a human hand yeah a gross rotting human hand very decomposed i mean it is a retriever yeah. <laughs> i suppose what it retrieves is not golden because we get a close-up on our uh our encouraging owner's eyes as he looks on yeah, in horror. it's actually a pretty good shot if i'm being totally honest like the slow zoom in to his uh, very shocked, like horrified, horrified expression, and then cut to the dog hands in our title card. And he does a really good job of like transitioning his facial muscles, which I did. Yeah, you would know <laughs> about that more than I would. I learned the facial action coding system as part of my undergrad. So watching these movies is sometimes very interesting, but man, it's good. Like the close ups on the face go throughout the entire movie. I can't imagine what this would have been like watching it in theaters with these eyes staring at you or like a big gash in someone like <laughs> oh filling my... up the whole screen. At the time, it must have been horrifying. Yeah. So I don't. So from here, we cut immediately to the precinct. Yeah. They've identified the hand as belonging to prostitute Anne Lynn. Ooh, and we have an interview with her landlady who seems to be voiced by Cindy Lauper. Yeah, it's pretty close. <laughs> Before we talk about that, I really want to mention mm-hmm. that I think it's uh, it's not the detective's name. It's someone else. But anyway, the name is Massimo Lentini. <laughs> Which sounds like a pasta dish at the Olive Garden. It's two pasta dishes <laughs> combined together for the first time. But as you said, we go from from this brief interlude to our lead detective, Detective Williams, yep. uh, interviewing Anne Lynn's landlady. Cindy Lauper. A.K.A. Mrs. Weisberger. Yeah. Uh, and what's... She says, like, oh, she's a exotic pose model. Yeah. Or something uh, like something that. Something like that. 
But yeah. I mean, Mrs. Weisberger also tells the detective, like, oh, don't fall in love, detective. Yeah, man. And she's smoking like a. Yeah, the, a the joke is she's gross. She's like, it's it's one of those crazy cigar cigarettes. She says when she's talking about Anne Lynn that Anne Lynn was her Nami de Plumy. <laughs> okay, I also had that written down and I had no idea what the context yeah. was, so that's good to know. So she last <laughs> saw her uh, tenant six days at six days ago at seven o'clock because she was watching Dallas at the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, Dallas. <laughs> Uh, she said he had a voice like a duck quack quack just quack, like quack, that quack. just like that <laughs> so we're we getting our first hint that the killer has a quacky voice yeah and you would think that would stick out to our detective how many killers do you hear that have a quacky voice not very many i would bet i know but quickly it slips waddle he do now <laughs> it doesn't really matter because we, we, we're putting our detective aside while we examine a woman in short shorts as she battles 1970s-style boxy cars yeah, while riding geez. her mm-hmm. fixed-gear bike down a Manhattan street to get onto this ferry. The Staten Island Ferry yeah. at Battery Park. Which it says in big-ass letters along the side. She accidentally crashes into the side of a <laughs> passerby's car, scraping the side, and he is yelling, like, crazy misogynist yeah, shit at her. Yeah, he's like, oh, this is why you should stay at home. You've got the brains of a chicken, yeah, to like, which she replies, and you're an asshole. Yeah, like, and he's not even driving. He's the passenger in the car. Uh, oh no! Do you know it's what a it European is? Car? Yeah, it's because yeah. this was probably shot in Europe, so he's sitting on the wrong side. And and she really could have easily avoided this collision, in my opinion. Like she gives up st- steering way too soon. Yeah, but I'm not going to judge her because she's got to she's get got on this ferry. On. Yeah, she's got to get on this ferry with all these giant boats of cars. Yeah, we. Uh, we see all of the cars driving on to the boat, including our bicyclist, who we will learn her name is Rosie. Yeah, and the guy whose car she scratched. Yes, exactly. Whoopsie dipsy. It's a little neat parade of cars going on to this ferry, quite primly, but also quite... It's very dark and spooky on this ferry. It is. It's a very private, very spooky ferry. Mm-hmm. Which she takes advantage of because she ends up locating the asshole mm-hmm. misogynist car and she starts to key it up. She breaks into it. She's kind like, of. She she's gets in the car. Really keying it up. She's she's keyed up. <laughs> yeah. So she she starts to vandalize it and then she's interrupted by uh, we were getting his POV, but we don't know who he is. Yeah, classic Gallo slasher sort of. Who's there? Yeah, I don't even she, know. If she she says tries that, to but... be friendly. After breaking into this car, she introduces herself to our POV figure. Mm-hmm. She's like, "Oh, I'm Rosie," but then he starts uh, talking to her in the Donald Duck voice yeah, that we will get to appreciate throughout the rest of the movie. Donald Duck voice. And then, as first our first blood here, she uh, gets cut the fuck up. Yeah, she tries to escape the uh, the, the car. car. She's mm. crawling out of the passenger side. That was a good effect, I thought, or like a good idea. And she's stuck against like a shipping container or the wall. The, the wall of the yeah. ferry, actually. Oh, it's so terrible. So she can't actually get out. And she is stuck there while the guy... So this actress is uh, Cinzia Duponti. (laughs) Okay. And she came in third in the, oh gosh, I'm going to get the year wrong, 1983 Miss Universe pageant. She represented Italy. Whoa. That's really interesting. Right here, she's certainly representing uh, 
bleeding to death after being cut open by yeah, she gets slashed on her stiletto her, her breast stabbed Ooh, in her abdomen man. and then she's disemboweled before he slits her throat he cuts her really deep Oof. and it takes up the entire screen and the fairy imagery sort of reminds me of um like when he pushes the car into the water doesn't he push the car into the water or something um the car that she's in no because they, oh yeah no they, yeah, they find the like, car they're like yeah. oh come That's on move is. along move along and it's like where did the actual car's owner yeah go? exactly we don't know where he went yeah uh did did the killer kill him too that knows? doesn't seem like his mo a vw uh bus pushes the car out and we see her like mutilated corpse. yeah and it's it reminded me of the ring. Do you not not exactly, but the 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 where the horse ran off the ferry, sort of. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm so sorry. That's okay. That's okay, because we're now at the coroner's office, and uh, our erstwhile police detective, yes, Lieutenant Williams, mm-hmm. is talking to our pathologist Barry yeah. Jones. Yeah, uh, and the uh, the pathologist believes he recognizes the style of the killing like he loves he's a i I won't say he loves it but he appreciates this guy's work he he links it back to our first uh lady the the woman who possessed the hand that the dog found Anne lynn and doesn't he sing like oh uh he he ran the blade up her joy trail. Yeah, the joy trail. A good, efficient what butchery. The fuck. He could have done better with more time. Like, dude, are you offering this guy critiques? This what is, is like, wrong with you? I have also never re- like heard to it referred to as the joy, like the Ooh. happy trail. Definitely, and I feel like that's probably like a translation issue between this and the Italian version of the film. I hope so. But so, <laughs> regardless, he's like a fifty-plus-year-old man talking about a butchered t- what twenty-year-old woman? Uh, yeah, probably around there. Ugh. Naturally, the detect or lieutenant, I don't want to give mm-hmm. him too much of a promotion here. So he has told the press that the serial killer is at large. And he's visited at the station by the chief of police, mm-hmm. who is played by Lucio Fulci. The big chief person. Yeah, oh, the that's interesting. Yeah. So Lucio tells yeah. him... Not to make any more announcements publicly. We don't want this to be like what happened in Atlanta. What does that refer to? Do you uh, we're never... Are we ever fully told? I know I don't think I wrote it down because it's a mystery. After Lucio leaves. Mm-hmm. Williams is told that he received a phone call. Yeah. Okay. From a man sounding like a duck. A duck? Now, where have I heard that before? <laughs> like, where? It was five minutes ago, dude. She's Cindy Lauper. Remember it. He heads to Columbia University to find his Jodie Foster. Yeah, who is uh, a man who looks like a computer scientist. A brilliant young psychotherapy professor named Dr. Dr. Paul Davis. Dr. Davis. Uh, he's going to help him create a profile. And he's playing electronic he's a, tra- chess, telling the... He's be- a very busy guy. Condescending to the detective. Oh, you detect- You police are so unimaginative. And, you know, I cost so much per hour. Who's paying? We go from here to... Uh, I mean, story-wise, this makes total sense. Yeah. We go to Red Light District, New York. Times Square, pre-Giuliani, Girls, 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 Live XXX, Fuck Show, We're, is what one of the signs says. Jane Lodge. She's an attractive, very chic lady who seems out of place at this live sex show. Yeah, where they're having sex on basically a giant uh, fur poof. Yeah. And uh, I will say, they don't look like people who you would think would work at a live sex show. No, but she is recording their moans. And uh, 
she's wearing like a full gray suit and a gray matching fedora with big hoop earrings when the man with two fingers appears beside her yeah. they're both watching the same erotic movie they're making eyes at each other mm-hmm. she's i mean yeah <laughs> yeah she's she's masturbating mm-hmm. and he is watching what she's doing the show ends and can i just say her orgasm seems disturbing oh yeah well it's not real probably it doesn't look like she's having a very good time yeah so she she finishes the sex shows over she goes downstairs and of course we've got our next victim (laughs) oh yeah lit by candlelight uh, she hears a noise, she opens the closet door, and is then brutally attacked in green, and she dies. Yeah. Very stylishly. Yeah, it, it's, this is, for what it is, a nice-looking movie. Do we know where he, f- no, I guess we get her explained later, but the, the light color difference between one room and the other is striking. Yeah. So he takes a bottle, a broken bottle, Ugh. to her, and uh, not nice, not no. nice cutting, and yeah, I I think it's it's a reference back to Jack the Ripper with these killers, some of them, these killing some of them. It's with a very, it's but, like a stiletto or a razor blade, yeah, and it's, it's intense, really brutal. The detective has spent the night with his sexy young prostitute. Yeah, how does this even happen? He looks... Whatever, I'm not going to cast judgment. You go, girl. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, she's a prostitute, right? He's paying her. Oh, that's She's much younger than he is. But The phone call. Is Lieutenant Williams there? I can't even do the voice. (laughs) I can't even do the voice. Lieutenant Williams there. Yeah, he receives like a taunting phone call from our duck man. Yeah. Our prostitute comes back in mm-hmm. with a snack and he's like, make me a coffee, would you? Or get yeah. me a coffee, would you? Yeah. And she's like, I'm a prostitute, honey. I'm not your wife. And then, don't be a dumb bitch. Does he say that? Yeah, he does. Like, um, are you f- like, and against this Godzilla drawing on the wall. He says that to her. (laughs) That's her protector. Like, you just had sex with her, dude. Do you really need to denigrate her further? You're... Ugh, whatever. I'm gonna take a step back from that. The next day... Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Jane, Mm -hmm. from our, our, our perv from the previous night, the lady perv, she brings the tape of the orgasms to her husband, who really just maybe he's supposed to be a suspect but he just approves of this open relationship yeah, that she's just like, oh. proposing and he has like she, a million small little tapes so she, presumably she's done this yeah before. oh she's definitely done this before this is not her first rodeo so she goes out to the bar in her trench coat yeah her usual streaker attire and uh she gets Toe fucked by two Latino Latinx immigrants. Or Puerto Rican. Who knows? But they are extremely aggressive. Yeah, they... uh, She's, like, sexually humiliated in front of the entire bar, which she's into, I will say. Yeah, she's definitely, like, consenting to whatever's happening to her. But then... then Well, that's part of her shtick. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it's she has a rape fantasy, and so this is one of the weird parts to me. I mean, the whole thing is fucking off the wall. But one of the weird parts to me is that the the one guy holds her down while his friend with the silver toes assault. Well, assaults her, assaults her, assaults her. Yes, definitely assaults her. But like, man, like. I, it doesn't matter if Morales has silver to- toes. He has to say, hey, do you want my foot inside of you first? True. 
Um, I'm I I agree. There definitely needs to be some level of consent. <laughs> However, it's a yeah. I will I'm say not... she's definitely uh, not to use implied consent, but mm-hmm. she seems to be in charge of the situation until she's not in charge oh, anymore, and then she leaves. Though. It definitely, she boots it, gets in a black sedan, and she drives away. We see that American Werewolf in London is playing on the marquee. Yeah. And uh, then we get to meet our final girl. Yeah. Sorry, spoiler alert. Our final girl, Faye Majors. She's riding alone on a late night uh, subway trip in like dirty, gritty, graffiti covered NYC subway car. She looks like a ballerina just off practice. And she spots our uh, missing two fingered man Ooh. from the sex show sitting on the same subway bus as she is pretty creepy they make eyes at each other and uh then she flees from the train because she's obviously feeling pretty threatened yeah by man mr mr missing two fingers and she dashes up into this completely red soaked station and then she is attacked by our quacking maniac. Yeah, with like a fillet knife. Yeah, she Ooh. gets she gets stabbed in the leg and gets her hands and arms slashed by like trying to defend herself. Classic defense. Which wounds. I will say is pretty good for a yeah. movie to show defensive wounds because normally like I'm not saying it's it's great by any means because it isn't, but uh, it's it shows the same the thing in Scream Four. Attacked, it shows like mean? the the defend like the defense wounds. Yeah, and so. like what would actually happen to someone who's being attacked, which makes it even more scary to me and like revolting. After getting stabbed, she manages to find her way into uh, a seedy apartment building, yeah. and so she closes. She locks the door. To make sure that the killer won't follow and then she ends up passing out due to blood loss and, and then like, reality and illusion begin or hallucination begin creepy. To, to blur hey yeah she sees herself in a movie theater watching cartoons and she's getting slashed over and over again by this young razor as we know him right now, this young, handsome man, and he's fucking her up with this razor blade, cutting her throat. So many quick cuts, one after the other, after the other, after the other, and it's really like you see ugh, everything. But and... then she wakes up in the hospital. Yeah, it was just a dream. It was just a dream. I used to a read hallucination. Word Up magazine. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and she wakes up in the hospital. Not only is she in hospital, she's in a huge private room. Yes. The, and the, who should appear? The dude from her dreams. Yeah. We find out he is her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter? Was that it? Peter? Yeah, Peter. Peter. And I think one of the first... Yeah, Peter Bunch. One of the first things that he asks her, did he rape you? Yeah. Hey, what? That's one of my what are you doings for this week. Like, bro, dude, Google it first. <laughs> Look up an empathic response to the person I love has just been attacked. Don't just lead with your gut. And that is never, ever lead with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our Lieutenant Williams and, oh, we, we sort of left out the part where... Uh, Lieutenant Williams goes to meet the... No, we talked about when he met the Columbia professor. Yeah, man. So he shows up with the Columbia professor. Oh, yeah. Not before uh, Norman Bates, Peter, can say, okay, whatever whatever you're feeling, don't think about it. I don't want to hear it. Don't talk about it. Like, just put it out of your mind. You know, the healthy thing to do. Yeah. (laughs) Faith, uh, Faye, not Faith. Faye tells them about her attacker saying mm-hmm. that he was missing two fingers. Mm-hmm. And uh, they both conclude that this is the killer because all of the forensic evidence so far has pointed to the killer being left-handed. Yeah, and this guy's missing two fingers on his right hand. Yeah. This is all interspersed with 
conversations between Faye and Peter where she's telling him about the dream where he slashed her up. Yeah, where he was the assailant. And, you know, it's sort of making a big deal out of this dream. (laughs) Yeah, but it is what it is. It's sort of another Cassandra vision like most of the movies we've talked about. But from the hospital, we uh, return to Jane, our chic uh, pervert lady from earlier sexually empowered woman where she is currently rendezvousing with our sans two-fingered friend yeah our two-fingered friend and she's tied up wearing full lingerie outfit while he paws at her basically well they're they're in a bdsm scene where he's her master She's submissive. He's getting super hot and heavy with it. Um, and isn't this... Do they have the radio on in this scene where the DJ's like, Hey, to that two-fingered cat who's been slicing up all the ladies, uh, leave her alone. Yeah. yeah. That's that's like after uh, they they fool around. What's-his-dick gets a, a call... And then she hears the radio, so she unties herself. Yeah, she's fighting, and they look pain like painful ties. Yeah, and uh, he's asleep beside her. She manages to get out into the hallway, which is unfortunately where our chic lady mm-hmm. bites bites the bullet. And it's really unfortunate because. She's sexually empowered. Yeah. Yeah, she does what she wants. So she's gutted and stabbed to death just as she's trying to escape. And then our lieutenant, Lieutenant Williams, Mm -hmm. shows up at the scene where they find her tape recordings of the sex shows. Yep. And uh, of her consensual BDSM relationship with this guy with the two fingers, Mm -hmm. who she refers to as her master. I don't know why I did that. So it's consensual. Talking to witnesses, the lieutenant ends up discovering that the man is a man known as Mickey Scalenda, who is a Greek immigrant with a history of sexual violence. Ooh. And I I don't know, is there a thing between uh, Italians and Greeks? I'm not sure. I'm sure there is. There's cultural subtext that we do not have the skills to uh, <laughs> interpret. They end up finding photos and um, porn and drug paraphernalia yeah. of lots of the, the victims so far. Mm-hmm. And, and the lieutenant uh, visits Jane's husband again, Dr. Dr. Lodge. Yeah, I Dr. guess we Lodge. know he's a doctor now, um, to tell him about... The unfortunate murder of his wife yeah and he has like a bunch of like national geographic stacked up behind him like a hundred of them just like his tapes <laughs> he's uh through tears defending this open relationship that he has with his wife while he's being ridiculed and chirped by lieutenant williams which is so unfair it is really unfair lieutenant williams is a bit of an ass oh yeah well he's like our moral compass for this right but maybe her husband enjoyed being cucked shit on (laughs) who knows (laughs) uh i'm not bad i was just drawn that way yeah (laughs) so back at our uh, psychologist Mm -hmm. and our detective since they've met up again by this point um he confides in the lieutenant that he's beginning to doubt uh the killer's identity because the person their main suspect Scalenda, yeah is just like a petty criminal he's not really a intelligent murder <laughs> murder man yeah it it takes a lot of skill to uh slice someone open with a razor blade and while he's doing this he buys a gay porn magazine yeah 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 like classic tom of finland yeah so then we we get to see obviously 
He's one of us. One mm-hmm. of us. Google goop. Google goop. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> <laughs> so they end up going to Faye's house to mm-hmm. visit with uh, Faye and Peter and ask them a couple more questions about when Faye was attacked. A few days later, Williams gets another taunting phone call from the Ripper. Yeah, how could you not? This guy loves showboating. He wants to dedicate a murder to him. Oh, that's so sweet of him. So he puts a police trace on the line. Yeah, the Voight-Kampf machine of uh, the giant telephone system in New York. They find the location. And they immediately run to it. Only to find out that the killer set them up with a two-way radio. At a payphone. Yeah. But meanwhile, he's at the home of Kitty, our prostitute from earlier, who Williams is super, super jazzed on. And I think this is probably the worst death of the movie. One of the worst in any movie ever. (laughs) So she is entertaining a guest who is unfortunately our quacky serial killer the killer begins torturing her by slowly cutting her with a razor blade yeah like a razor blade razor blade not even a straight razor i mean i guess they're both fucking horrific but ugh, it's very slow it's very graphic uh, including like an eye slitting. Oh yeah, the comparable to like Shan Dondalu by Dolly or whatever. And her face and her nipple—he slices it in yeah. half. It's so gruesome, and it's like it's very Unpleasant. violent. It's very violent. Our lieutenant races to her apartment. Yeah, only to find a p- kitty pool of blood. Basically, yeah, kitty pool. I like it. She's dead. Her name is Kitty. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I didn't even uh, get that. <laughs> she's dead. The killer has vacated the premises. And our psychologist, Snidely, you cops, you only think in patterns. Yeah. Like, what? This isn't a pattern? This is a pretty fucking clear pattern to me. Yeah, man. Sometime later, mm-hmm. uh, which is where we go from this. Yeah, it's a classic. We cut a to. Cut to the the morgue uh the dead body of our mm-hmm. missing fingered man mr scalenda has been found he's committed suicide and he's been dead for at dun- least eight episode eight eight days dun 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 and something oh. else about this scene to note classic coroner eating in the morgue oh one of those tropes. yeah yep yep well, we know our guy. He likes to say how <laughs> how artful they are. He's been dead eight days. Mm-hmm. Our latest victim has only been dead four days. Ooh. Ah. Okay, and then naturally, as you do, oh, you cut to a child in the hospital. Oh, yeah, the first time we're seeing uh, this young daughter of Faye's boyfriend. Yeah, the first time is she really introduced Peter. at this point? No. They mentioned the, her briefly before. Uh, they mentioned her extensively. She's a main character. I don't know. <laughs> and maybe in the original language it's mentioned, but not so much. I think this is the first time we're seeing her. To me, it feels like, or at least in my notes, she's not reflected at all super until this point. Yes, but Faye is kind enough to go visit yeah. her her boyfriend's daughter in the hospital. It's his, well, his, his child from a previous marriage. What's left of her? Her name is Susie, mm-hmm. and she's dying of a rare bone disorder. So she only has one arm and one leg. She's yeah. just recently had the other two amputated. Her entire nervous system is short, says the weird nun nurse. Ah, yes, the nun nurse. We'll talk about her more mm-hmm. in a couple minutes. But uh, from here, we snap back to Lieutenant Williams and Monsieur Davis, mm-hmm. who are talking, and our psychiatrist, Mr. Davis, yeah. says that he went ahead and dug up Faye's records from her 
her university. Oh, as you do. And she has a very high IQ, just like our killer. Oh. And a tendency towards hallucinations or visions. Could this all just be in her head? Is she the killer? Yeah. I also love that this is all just on file. <laughs> so now our lieutenant and our psychologist mm-hmm. head to the hospital that we were just at with Faye. And they see Susie in her hospital bed. Oh, yeah. And Davis says, oh, my God, she'll never grow up to be a woman. Yeah. Because he's finally figured it all out. So he... Somehow he's pieced it together. Put the pieces together between Faye, Peter, and the killings. Mm -hmm. So the two of them race over to Peter and Faye's place to arrest them both. Their weird Spanish house where all the doorways are fun arches. Yes. (laughs) Meanwhile, at their house, they're getting ready for dinner. Peter heads upstairs. Mm -hmm. Faye is going to uh, begin cooking when she notices the rack of knives. Yeah. One of them is missing a tip. Uh Uh Uh-oh. So this is, she's beginning to become suspicious of her boyfriend now. Yep. Peter heads into, I guess, his office. He's got to do more math. Yeah. Uh, So he goes to his office and he's interrupted by a phone call with the with the duck man seemingly seemingly with monster canard <laughs> so he gets pretty shook up from this whole situation mm-hmm. he goes back out to try and find Faye, but she's she's gone she's missing yeah where is she well he begins to look upstairs. Stay out of Susie's room. <laughs> and out of the darkness in Susie's room. Yeah. Uh, Faye emerges and stabs him right in the gut. Yeah, as as you do. Uh, she, I would have hoped that she would have learned from him and just like gone all crazy. But immediately he snaps into the duck personality. Yeah, yeah. He's Young, like, beautiful, healthy, like the rest of them. I just wanted to point out that um, this, like the whole her stabbing him thing, really uh, reminded me of Behind the Mask when he talks about the phallic imagery associated with being a final girl, Mm -hmm. that it's like a symbol of her reclaiming her power. Yep. And I thought that was like very... Uh, applicable here because oh, definitely. she's like penetrating him literally with the same with weapon. the same knife. But anyway, he he does the whole the killer always comes back for one final scare mm-hmm. uh, maneuver, and our detective who shows up just in the nick of time to literally blast his face off. Yeah, he like blows a hole through his cheek. It's gnarly. The camera effects are pretty. Well done, IMHO. We cut to Faye going away. Rhymes. With the lieutenant and our resident gay. Mm -hmm. Oh, he blamed everything on the duck personality. Yeah. All of his (laughs) hatred. And meanwhile, all that his daughter needed was a little attention. Like the most completely bizarre motivation yeah his <laughs> hatred of sexually active women stemmed from this like bitterness that his at the cruel fate that had dealt his daughter who will never enjoy the freedoms of what the the victims have done so i guess he's the message is he's mad that his daughter ain't gonna be fucking i guess uh and she's pretty mad she's in yeah. tears Trying, Daddy, Daddy, please pick yeah, up. She's please pick trying up to call him on her phone with a duck figurine on it. The nurse is like, oh, uh, don't, why don't you call your daddy and play the duck game? Mm-hmm. The nurse has previously said, I don't think we explicitly yeah. talked about this, but the nurse says earlier that uh, the mother's in Brazil and the father no one ever comes to visit yeah, her. No one ever comes to but visit her. But then at this point, she knows that the daughter plays the duck game. Yeah. Quote. 
with her father over the phone. Wouldn't you mention that? Yeah. Like, it seems like a pretty big thing to sort of ignore. But anyway, very sad ending. She's crying in her hospital bed. We get a freeze frame first on the psychologist, then on her extreme heroin eyes. And then, like, a, a, a montage of, oh, this dirty city. Yeah, the phone is ringing as she cries. Her cries being drowned out beneath the indifference Ooh. of New York fucking city, man. Yeah, man. New York City. Manhattan. Dirty. Yeah. And that's that movie. Mm-hmm. Honestly, as a fan of Lucio Fulci on the whole... Yep, you don't have to see this movie. <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty it's intense and not good. Well, it's, the ending just feels so shoehorned in there. You know, it's weird because I used to think that this was one of my favorite movies mm-hmm. and I've rewatched it since and rewatching it again to do this. It's not good. And it's not <laughs> I think it just really is nostalgic to me of that time when this was so different to me i mean it's still pretty different and (laughs) now i'm like wow this is like criminal minds yeah it's like gratuitous uh gore without a purpose like we're rooting for the good guy but we get to experience all the thrills that the the bad guy gets to do yeah Yeah, we get to see it but it's okay because we it's a weird end. yeah but yeah, you don't have to see this movie. If you want to start getting into Lucio Fulci, definitely The City of the Living Dead, The Beyond, The House by the Cemetery. Those are all much better options. Zombie is, I mean, it's a cheese fest, but if you're keen on zombie movies and you don't mind seeing a zombie fight a shark, that's probably a good recommendation. In the water. Is it a real shark? Uh, I don't know. It'd be awesome if, I mean, awesome by awesome, I mean like, gruesomely terrible if they murdered a real shark yeah it's a real zombie too but anyway how what are what are your thoughts how did you feel about this movie um it just meandered too much the plot was a little bit too hairball for me yeah and the donald duck voice was a lot to deal with it took away from it a bit it did imagine if it was the donald duck voice in scream <laughs> or when a stranger calls back yeah I don't know. Maybe it maybe it was more impactful at the time. For what I whatever reason, when he was promoting this movie, Lucio Fulci said it was like an homage to Hitchcock. And I don't see that at all. Well, Peter, I guess, sort of looks like a Hitchcockian like no uh norman bates, norman bates. yeah <laughs> i guess that's really it yeah and the close-ups on the knife i guess it's a weird translation we love well, no, movies a... this is not a good giallo movie so if you're looking to get into giallo movies this should not be your first if you're looking to dip into fulci this should not be your first i will say the cinematography is nice yeah. at least i think yeah. a lot of that also is just like that it's shot on film so it's a time before you could see how bad things were based on the quality of film definitely true but that's the movie this is definitely going to be one of our shorter episodes i just don't have a lot to say about this movie oh yeah we've only been recording for an hour it says yeah i can't believe it i thought we talked forever at the beginning time flies when you're having fun yeah man it was good though (laughs) i learned a lot yeah Next week, we're going to be doing Night of the Comet. One of our fave. Absolute fave. Weird it's niche more of movies. a sci-fi than a horror, but it'll be our first apocalypse yeah. uh, episode. My favorite. Yeah. So, so far, we've done bugs, mm-hmm. uh, like monsters with the boogans. We've done, what was episode three? Leprechaun? Yeah. Supernatural Entity. Uh, April Fools, Society, Body Horror, April Fools, Holiday, Holiday, Slasher. What did we do for Slasher? Oh yeah, episode three was Cheerleader Camp, so that was our Slasher, and then we did Leprechaun. 
And then April Fool's Day, I would say, is like... Isn't April Fool's a slasher? Yeah, I guess it counts. I don't... Like a mystery, I guess? Because nothing really happens in it. Mm, the crocodile. Oh, yeah. Creature feature. Force of nature. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. Uh, we still need to do a ghost. I think we'll probably do the entity at some Definitely. point. But I just didn't want to follow this episode with the entity because it's very like yeah violence against women yeah so i wanted to give us a little break yeah definitely so we, we need to yeah. do uh mothman prophecies soon which Defo. is one of the movies that scares me the most because i'm a wiener <laughs> oh before we say goodbye actually we haven't done our six degrees of jamie lee for this episode so Jack Headley, who plays Lieutenant Williams, was in The Longest Day in 1962 with Richard Boehmer, who was in My Girl 2 with Jamie Lee Curtis. So, yeah. That's really interesting. We're eight for eight now, and it's been relatively close. So that was that was episode eight. Yep. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, when we do... Night, Night of the, the Comet. Comet. Honestly, thank you. Yes. Uh, I hope everyone is having a good morning, afternoon, and evening. We're sending positive vibes out to you wherever you are. And, yeah. So, bye. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. See you later. Bye.